Today on the show, we're talking about unfortunate events. Welcome to Simple Money Solutions Podcast, your path to financial independence through deliberate lifestyle choices. My name's Courtney, I'm your host, and I'm joined with my co-host, as always, Trevor. And today we're talking about unfortunate events. Yeah, and if you look at the title of this episode, the way I, I put the title, I, I put the un, the UN in brackets, and the reason I've done that is quite often unfortunate events lead to positive outcomes that we never anticipated. So this episode was based entirely around our, a listener email we received with the subject line entitled Life's Unfortunate Events, again with the un in brackets before fortunate. And it's an absolutely phenomenal email. It's so so insightful, so so rich uh, with with content and inspiration. It was it was an amazing in, um, email to receive in our inbox. So before even before getting into the to the episode, um, today's kind of the heart of today's episode. Um, we just want to kind of like break down the email a little bit. And there's a great opening opening kind of a few sentences here where this one listener she she will talk to her husband about simple money solutions and she'll she'll kind of say to her husband um so I was my buddies Trevor and Courtney say and and she said and then her husband she says will say who's Trevor and who's Courtney and I mean we found this really funny because Trevor and I were actually joking just probably a week earlier that we love love doing uh, being here with you every week with simple money solutions because we feel we feel we either like you say best Trevor either um, sitting with a group of friends or having this this conversation just this really personal conversation yeah you know when we're doing this podcast I kind of have these visions I'm either sitting in a room with a bunch of friends just talking about life and personal finance and and that's kind of how I, I hope our audience feels this or it's three people sitting at a table there's me Courtney and the listener and we're just sitting around a table you know really going at a particular topic or discussing an issue and maybe having different opinions of it so when we do this podcast I, I enjoy it and but those are the kind of depending on the topic or the moment of the podcast that's the kind of visualization I have and that's why we absolutely love getting emails like this and, and, and just hearing fr- from you as you listen to it, after you listen to it, your thoughts on it, episode, just to complete that feedback loop of, 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 of having your experiences kind of infused into um, what Trevor and I talk about. So the kind of the point or the moral of, of, of or what was kind of really that came through through this email from this listener was the journey of this individual and her family towards conscious spending. So to kind of give a, a, a kind of a concise um, understanding of the email, this this couple lived a life that I would say didn't involve many financial sacrifices. So this couple went on trips, um, they uh, traveled. I wouldn't say live large. Would you say live large, Trevor? I would say they were enjoying life. And I'll say they were, uh, a lot of times we as a society, we're programmed to believe tomorrow will be better than today. And we're programmed to do that so we will be financially responsible today. So we, we will have more money left over to spend tomorrow because tomorrow is going to be better. That's the, the theory. And I think this couple, they were living where they thought maybe today is as good as it's going to get. Yeah, no, that, that's definitely fair. So uh, so all, all that was kind of taking place. And then uh, unfortunately, this listener's husband experienced a uh, severe and extremely unfortunate medical emergency, which which affected the family, which which eventually became four. So her her husband and her two kids. And from here, um, her husband was unable to return to work uh, due to just the complications of this medical emergency. So he he stayed at home to raise their uh, their two kids while uh, she returned to work. And it's 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 really interesting here reading about kind of the the changes that occurred in their in their in their the way they spent money the way they lived in general because of this extremely of unfortunate event that happened. Who knows if they would have continued down their road of, of living life large and maybe, uh, you know, bankruptcy. Who knows what would have come into their life in the future? You know carrying on down a, a, an, an unsustainable path. I'm not saying they were, but if somebody were to be living in the moment, living large, and, and they continue on an unsustainable financial path, maybe the unfortunate event that, that 
this person is blessed with or not blessed with is is bankruptcy. So it, it this one was it, it obviously the unfortunate event arrived sooner than that, and it, it came in in a different form in terms of a health issue. So I think this this could be a blessing in disguise. So there's two other in really I think impactful points to to mention from from this listener's email. And, and, and whether maybe I'm speaking to other listeners out there who, who maybe have these, these, these fears or these inklings of doubt in their own mind regarding changes to, to their, the way they spend money, maybe these two points that I'm about to mention affect you. And so the first one here is, um, she said, our kids' lives haven't changed. So uh, Trevor, and you, you can speak to this, you do have kids, you have a family, was was there ever kind of maybe and I'm sure you keep the, your family in the top of your mind but I'm sure in in your in your desire to live a financially frugal life financially responsible life I'm sure your top priority is always considering those that will be immediately affected by your decisions and you and your wife's decisions so I have a theory so when you when your kids are really really young they really don't care what you drive or they don't care what kind of house you live in they don't care. They don't even care what kind of clothes they wear. They might at some level care about the toys they play with, but you'd be surprised how little they care about those things. What your kids really need when you when they're young is your time. They need a, a, a ton of your time. More, they need more of your time than they actually you know. And then when your kids get older, I'm going to say they're about to go off to college, university, or they're you know in their late teens. They do need some more of your money, more than they did when they were younger but not near as much as, as people think they do. So I, I think your kids, they, they're more resilient than adults. So given a financial crisis in your life, the, the people that can handle it the best are probably your children. I, I love that. I, I love that that stands that philosophy on that. And it's really mirrored in um, this listener's, listener's thoughts as well. And, and do, you know why, do you know why kids are more resilient and can weather a financial storm better than an adult is it is they they tend to be living more in the moment right so they're not thinking about the future but they don't have an ego they they tend to not have an ego attached to things they own or things they do where adults do so the the ego it, it becomes a a force you battle with in that if if you were living large and you had a shiny new car or truck and you lived in a large home and you couldn't really afford these things, then stepping away from those things or down from those things, it becomes a, a an ego check to get there. That, that's part of the the process of, of getting rid of those things. It's not just the transaction of getting rid of them, but also your ego is going to take a big hit. And it's funny you mentioned that because that is um, this listener's kind of second second area that she brought up it was that an, an area she is still working on and and one that I would like to argue you and I are even both working on and maybe everyone um is as working on keeping our ego in check and um she describes things like um not of skipping out on on lunches with coworkers or or not registering her her children for for all the day camps and 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 wondering how others are reflecting on her decisions and 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 Trevor I mean you must still encounter opportunities where your you you maybe feel a twinge of 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 your decisions being affected by by your ego. Well, you know, as you're growing up and you're 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 coming of age, I'll call it, you feel you're being scrutinized by people older than you and your peers constantly. And I've been there and it, it it's something that is always weighing on you. You don't realize you're carrying that burden. And so when you reach a certain age, so the age I'm at, I'm in my 50s, I, I'm at the point where I, I just, I don't care. But I used to, right? And I'll, I'll drive an old car and I, I, I really don't care what anyone thinks or or even if anyone thinks about what I drive and where I live or how I dress, you reach a certain age and I wish you could get to this age younger in life. I, I, I wish you could get to this mindset younger in life where, and I, I use the word I don't care, but it really is my ego doesn't, 
isn't there anymore. Like maybe people in their fifties still do have an ego issue and, and they, they buy things and do things because of their ego. And, and maybe I'm the exception. I don't know. Possibly I am, but there was a time where it, it did hurt. And I did, I did have to sort of keep my ego in check, making financial decisions and not letting my ego drive some of those decisions. So I don't want to sidetrack this episode too heavily because we are focusing on unfortunate events, but I do want to backtrack to what you said there with you wish that you could kind of get to that place where your ego wasn't getting in the way of your financial decisions. And I mean, I'd like to argue that I think it it, it potentially is stages in your life. I like to believe that the exact stage I am in my life, I'm okay that I don't own a car. I'm okay with with a bunch of things with with that I only buy clothes at Value Village. I think there's a I, there's a bunch of things I'm okay with just because of the stage I am in my life. Ask me a few years ago when I was in uh, post secondary, and my answer would be completely different. And and then and then maybe if you start with a young family, you're looking at all the other young young parents who are maybe doing things differently, and then you kind of you kind of feel your ego taking a little bit of a hit. Would you argue that you're just in a stage of your life where you kind of climatized? No, I think the problem is, is when you, you take your life, your lifestyle to a certain level and maybe an unsustainable level, and then you have to retract back. That is where the ego takes the hit. So if you never, if you never venture and and live beyond your paycheck, if you never, so if you never owned a car, then you're, it's getting rid of a car that that's the, that's when your ego takes a hit. So not having one, people will just assume you either don't want one or can't afford one, but if you tried to be a big deal and and, and drive a sixty five thousand dollar truck, realize you couldn't afford it, and it may, that makes you better than a lot of people, and got rid of it and went back to taking the bus, that becomes a hard pill to swallow, right? So I think the key is to never cross that threshold, never cross that line, where, and, and when you're so you mentioned in post secondary, so when you're you're a, a teenager. And your lifestyle is being financed somewhat by your parents, and then you transition to financing your own life. I think that's when society starts to measure you at that point. No, I that is. I, I'm glad you made that connection because I think that's very, very key. Is is taking that step back, and I think that always hurts, regardless whether it's a, um, a demotion, whether whatever it is. I think that is always going to take take a hit and and i i really i guess i want to i guess i i commend this listener for 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 kind of navigating the personal finance realm and 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 living this more this 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 more kind of financially um the opposite of financially financially frugal lifestyle and 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 kind of scaling the back because like you said trevor it's easier it's easier to just not even go there i mean but it it's, it takes this other level to 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 st- take that step back. Don't forget, though, based on the sister's email, they were painted into a corner. They they had to decide to either make a change in their life or not. But there was an event that was imposed upon them, right? So they they didn't actually step up and do this. This was an unfortunate event that drove this change. Definitely. But if, I mean, if we're talking about taking, uh, if we're talking about our ego, this listener and anyone else in the shoes of, of this listener is going to feel, is, is, is faces more, more kind of hits against the ego per se than, than, than I would, who, who hasn't had the opportunity to live, to, to own that car and then get rid of that car. But, you know, in a way their, their ego doesn't have to take as big a hit because their unfortunate event you know, everyone's going to be compassionate and understanding about this un- unfortunate event that it occurred, that they're, they're going to be less, society is going to pass less judgment on them. In fact, they might, they might applaud them for, for making this change, given the events that, that happened. Yeah. When, when adversity strikes, this, this family definitely um, accepted the challenges and, and it really prospered from it. Now, there's, there is a, a lot of people who would have just caved in uh, under the circumstances this, this listener wrote in with and not have succeeded like they did. But I, I, from an ego standpoint, I think you get a bit of a pass given the unfortunate events. No, that's, that's definitely fair. So uh, this listener has uh, concluded her email with, with 
three incredible takeaways, which um, which I, I hope we can leave in the show notes um, so you can reflect back on yourself because they really they really are a phenomenal way to uh, lead us into kind of the heart of, of today's episode. So this first point is actually where we're going to kind of branch off into five points that Trevor has put together inspired by this email. So point number one is from our listener's email, taking life's unfortunate events, and unfortunate is in quotes, and turning them into opportunities. I think that's so key. And um, point number two in her email is get creative in our spending habits, which has been exemplified in so many ways in in, in the way that the, this listener and her family uh, live their life. And point number three is self-reflecting and keeping an eye on the ego, which again, um, I love the word self-reflecting. I think that is, that's powerful. You know, when I first read this email and we decided we were going to do a show kind of based on, on unfortunate events. I, I first thought, you know, this this show would go with kind of like, you know, why do we have to wait till things go wrong? We, you know, we should be proactive and, and and not wait till unfortunate events arise. But the more I thought about it, the more I thought, no, no, it's an it's an unfortunate events that drive change. So it's funny that you say that. Why do you think then that it is those unfortunate events that cause us to to make those changes? Why can't we just kind of sit there and 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 have these changes occur because we want them to? Well, I think just as so, I like reading uh, books, and and one one common theme I've read in a lot of sort of I'll call them self help books. Actually, that's not a really good. There's a better term. They're self improvement books. Is as a as a species, as a, as a human species, we are wired to gravitate toward pleasure and away from pain. That is just how we are wired as human beings. And you're hard pressed to find anybody who who gravitates toward pain. But but the thing with with discomfort or pain, that is where change comes from. Comfort, gravitating toward pleasure and comfort, that that is where you go to to stagnate and stay still. So to, to put yourself in an uncomfortable position. So you think of going to the gym and working out versus sitting on the couch and watching TV. Well, sitting on the couch and watching TV is comfortable, right? You're sitting there, remote in your hand. You're not straining yourself. No growth is happening there at all. In fact, decay is happening. But you go to the gym and you start pumping, pumping weights and running on a treadmill that's anything but comfortable. In fact, you're doing it to create discomfort. But what's coming from that is muscle growth in just improving your health overall. So that's a very simplistic example. But that I think as a species, we're just wired to not seek out discomfort. So I, I do want to go through, um, and you did kind of touch on point number two there, but I do want to go through the five points you've assembled where where we do move forward we we do create change because of um, unfortunate events that occur that we do turn into as as our listener said opportunities so but before even diving into this trevor i i i maybe i'll ask this again at the end but is it possible do you truly believe it's as possible possible to make as effective as long-lasting as as resilient changes in our life when when unfortunate events don't occur are we able to somehow artificially manufacture this desire that is as strong as an unfortunate event to make uh, changes in our lives like here's the best example and, and that's a great question is if you think of going into post-secondary education okay this is this is pain that is generally imposed on you in your adolescence you are forced at some level, right? You're, you're either told to go get a job or go to college or university. And going to university or college is, is discomfort. It's, it's hard, right? It's difficult, but it's being imposed on you. You, you are, you're given very few options as a, as a 17 year old in our society. You, you can go out and, and work, right? At a relatively low paying job, or you can go to school, you know, sitting on the couch and playing video games is generally not on the table for most people. Only when it's it's imposed on you and you are under the control of somebody else. So no unfortunate event has happened, but you are being placed in a position of discomfort where you are going to grow. And 
the minute you you get full reign of your life and you graduate from that post-secondary school and now you get to call the shots, you rarely put yourself in discomfort, meaning most people don't continue on and pursue for more education. So it's that's the only time I can think of where discomfort is actually imposed on you and good positive change, change comes from it. Wow. It's it's true, though. I mean, anyone who's ever kind of, okay, I'll say it suffered through post-secondary can, I mean, you're, what you just said resonates so, so deeply. So but are you, you're saying that, I mean, we all know that all magically all the due dates of assignments are always the same week, always. And we, we, we know that it, it's, that it is challenging, but can we not recreate that same, isn't a job kind of that same level of, of adversity where there are, it, it, there is that stress. I know this is manufactured school, but doesn't a job kind of put that same um, constraints on you and that same level of pressure? Well, no. So here's, everyone knows my story, but I'll tell it again. So me and my wife both had jobs in the city and we found out we were having twins and my wife was, we, we, the math just didn't make sense for both of us to go to work and pay daycare. So one of us is going to stay home. So I needed to find a better paying job that would support a young family. And I was in a pretty comfortable, stable job. And I could have done that forever. I'm, I'm guessing because it was, it was, I, I somewhat enjoy, I enjoyed the people I work with. I enjoyed the company I worked for. And there was very low stress with the job. It just didn't pay that well. So given, uh, I'm not going to call it unfortunate events. I was blessed with having twins, but given an unanticipated event, I was forced to move out of my comfort zone and find a higher paying job. Well, with any high paying job, generally comes more stress, more responsibility. And sure enough, it did. And uh, But I look back and I'm, I'm so glad I made that move. My career really flourished. I, I, I developed skills I wouldn't have otherwise. And I'm extremely marketable. And, and I, I, I've been gainfully employed and, and making great money for quite a few, like quite, quite a while. And I, as a result, I'm going to retire from full-time employment, maybe all employment in general at age 55. So a lot of positive things came from that. But boy, was it uncomfortable at the beginning and was it scary and, and I, I, I didn't know if it was going to work out or not. I had to relocate my whole family to another town. So it was, it was anything but comfortable. So I, and it, but it, and it, on the surface, it was unanticipated event that drove that. So what I love about what you just said there was that you moved the, the table, you moved an unfortunate event because I, I mean... I, I think we can all sit here and say we don't wish uh, an unfortunate event upon anyone. But what what I, I got from that was that you also embraced risk. There was a high level of risk of moving your family. And you, it's kind of twofold. You had that kind of unexpected event of having twins. But then you also had, you took risk. And, 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 and it played out positively. And you always say that 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 taking risk can can be beneficial that that playing it safe sometimes isn't always the way to go that, that there is benefits to jumping outside of your comfort zone you know i'm not going to judge homeless people but there's not many of them and in a homeless person they didn't they didn't just walk out the door and forget to pay their rent to become homeless they became homeless generally as a result of an unfortunate event or a series of unfortunate events if you read or, or, or ever hear of the stories of, of homeless people and how they ended up there, it, it really is tragic and it's a series of unfortunate events. Well, there's a ton of people that encounter those very similar unfortunate events but overcome them. So I'm going to say most, most people, almost everybody, is capable of overcoming unfortunate events. As a species, as humans, we rise to the top of the food chain because we are resilient we we can adapt better than any species on the planet. So in, in in talking there, we kind of touched on two of your five points. So I'll reiterate them as we hit them. But I do want to jump straight to point number one um, that you've listed here as, as a reason why we don't always um, make changes in our life until um, an event occurs. And, and your point, your first point here is life is not a straight line. It just say you get to the end of your life and it you look back and it was this incredibly straight line. I mean, and it played out exactly you how you had hoped. And you just, you checked all the boxes and nothing got in your way along the way. 
there's a good chance you missed a ton of opportunities in life because you forced life to be this really straight line. So the, the whole thing about life's not a straight line is unfortunate events are going to happen. It's just a fact. Just just embrace them when they show up and let life guide you down its path. You will you will look back and you after the fact when you're looking back, you know, 70 years late later, you will be able to connect the dots and they will make sense. And you will be glad that your life took these incredibly inefficient turns that made no sense at all. But the experiences you had along the way made you who you are. So I'm saying unfortunate events, they tend to take you off your plan, off your track. It looks like you're going to be losing ground on life. But trust me, the the straight line is is just the worst approach you could take. So if you're if you end up with a straight line, you forced it and you you may have missed opportunities and 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 you'll you'll have regret because of it. And when we look at when we say the word unfortunate event, I mean there are definitely are um as like this listener's email some very unfortunate events that that you really can't I mean I, I, this was able to be spun into to something that an opportunity was able to come from but at the same time um something like losing a job um just having a different perspective on it uh, really kind of changes the situation I don't want to make this a spiritual podcast by any mean but I I have the saying and my mom has a saying and I truly live by that everything happens for a reason so to your point Trevor when something happens it it there it just it kind of adds that bend and twist in your road to lead you to maybe something great or something different, something that will, will change your life direction. Well, you know, to spin this back on you, I know you were, you started out in post-secondary education. You were going to study commerce. Yeah, I was, right? yeah, special of commerce. And commerce is, it's, it's math and numbers like you don't know, right? Yes. <laughs> and, and you just, you wanted, you, I remember you saying you wanted this career in numbers. But you turns out you're really not a numbers person, right? So you were trying to force yourself. Looking back now, looking back, would you say you're not a numbers person? No, not not at all. Not not even not 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 at all in a big way. Right? <laughs> in a massive way. <laughs> and but you, I would say you have somewhat of an artistic flair, right? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. And so you end up going to communications, which is I'm going to say is opposite as numbers you can get. Yeah, definitely. So had you forced it and just, I'm sure knowing you and how determined you are, you could have forced it and and it may have taken you an extra year, but you could have got that commerce degree, right? Yeah, it would have been painful. Definitely. I'm certain you could have done it. And then what would you have done? You would have got a job in numbers, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so you would have taken that misery (laughs) of getting a a four-year degree in five years, right? Yes. And then you would have graduated and got your job in in some field that involved a lot of math and a lot of numbers. Yeah. And think of the misery you would have brought and say, just say it would have taken you another five years to figure out that I, I can't stand numbers. Then is it, I'm going to say it's too late. It's never too late, but circling back and, and you know, going down a different educational path to do a different career, that becomes even harder. Oh, for sure. Right? Yes. So, so you did not force the issue. You just said, you know what? This is not me. I, I have to just, you know, I, I tried this. I'm not going to say I failed. It's just not who I am. And you changed your, so I, I'm going to say this is education. So the stakes are not, they're, they're fairly low at this point. You know, it's, it's not, I'm going to call them not real world problems, although there's some money involved in education, but had you forced it, I'm certain you would have succeeded. You would have got that degree and you would have got that job, but you would be just pushing it really hard, like against your will uh, and, and maybe been very unhappy. Definitely. And, and to kind of add a, a twisty road to it, my, I, I ended up picking a specialization because um, I was at more of a, like a math-based accounting specialization. And I, I it was like, oh, let's change it to marketing. Um, but there's still all the math-based courses uh, that support um, a, a commerce degree, as, as anyone who has completed their commerce degree would, would, would I'm sure, realize. But to, to, and so I, I, but I was able to salvage credits from my Bachelor of Commerce degree as I switched into a Bachelor of Arts degree. And I took a windy path, but now I work in marketing. So... 
it's 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 crazy. I think that that life can lead you down this windy road, and and if you don't force it, like you said, Trevor, you, it'll kind of work out. But if you try to force it, you there's going to be. I'm going to say you're going to look back with regret. I couldn't agree more. So your second point here, which you kind of did touch on before we launched into these points, is we naturally move toward pleasure. And have you found this true for yourself? I mean, how often do you account and encounter something and, and, and say to yourself, oh, I'm going to take the harder route. I'm going to take the route that challenges me. Do you say that to your, yourself often? Oh, never. Really. N- nobody wants to look at things and say, well, which was the hardest? Because <laughs> I want that. I'm picking every time. <laughs> I right? want that. That looks way too easy. Can you give me something just a little harder, please? <laughs> You know, that, that's pretty rare, right? Even, even like, say, within your job, you're, you're kind of, we're trying to, if you think of your job, you're trying to become efficient at your work. That's what your employer wants you to be. And so they want you to get super efficient. And once you become efficient, you get comfortable, right? It's, it, and I'm going to say in the workplace, it's the, the people who embrace problem solving. Those are the people that really rise to the top or, or get rewarded and compensated better than the average person. And I'm going to say that's a skill I brought to my job. I embraced problem solving. It, it was actually imposed on me by by the first person I worked for. He he said, you are going to be my problem solving guy. And I was kind of new to the company and like, yeah, <laughs> I, I yeah. couldn't say no. He says, you just strike me as a guy. So I didn't really have a, a day-to-day job. I just I, I, he said, you know, you, I, I, I tend, I had a lot of understanding of how computer programs worked and, and a, uh, just a, a little, I, I don't know if I could program, but I understood programming enough that I could talk to a programmer and relay sort of, here's the problem. This could be the solution. And so I, I kind of was a go between the end user and a programmer. So I, I solved a lot of software problems early on in, in my working career it was super uncomfortable because every day was something new to learn something. And I was exhausted at the end of every day, but boy, did it, has it ever helped me now? I, if, if I don't get to solve a problem, a fairly not super complicated problem, but a challenge, if I don't get it, one of those a week to solve, I, I kind of feel like I'm just putting in time. You know, I, re- I really, I asked myself, what am I doing here? You know, what, what kind of value am I really adding? That was imposed on me. And I, I, I don't work for that person anymore, but boy, I owe that world, that person a world of thanks because they, they got me thinking that way. So, but again, it was imposed on me. I was told I'm, I'm going to be the problem solver for his, his group. And I didn't like it at the time. I, I felt that I, I was, I had more opportunity to fail than anybody else I worked with. So, you know, my, my, my chances of success was less than everybody else's because everyone else had this super predictable job, but did I grow and did I develop a skill set that, that I, ha- I, I was able to take with me for my, my whole working career. And I, I'm sure I could hire myself as a consultant with some of the skills I've developed. So it's, it's been worthwhile, but again, I didn't, I didn't seek that out and I never would. So again, it was imposed on me and got a lot of growth came from it. But we tend, uh, you're hard pressed to find anybody who doesn't, you know, just say, oh, I need a break or I just want to catch my breath. And what they're looking for, they're looking for some comfort, a moment of comfort. Wow. So I, I like that you kind of stated that you wouldn't have sought out that, that challenge if it wasn't imposed on you. And, but in the moment, Trevor, I'm sure you didn't have this kind of same grateful perspective that you do now looking back. Well, you know, the honest truth is, is I, it was getting so exhausting. I started looking for other job opportunities. Like I I started applying and going to interviews to to other places to work. When did it click that Wait, This is actually something I should embrace. And could you do it in that moment or, or now that you're kind of approaching retirement, did it finally set click in your mind? So here's a little story. No, this is no exaggeration. This is, this is how it happened. So <laughs> I, I was getting really exhausted solving, you know, being this guy's problem solver. And so I seen an ad in the paper for a job as, as an accountant, right? And, and it was in my little wee town. I thought, what an opportunity. I'm going to send a resume off to this one. It was a PO box, which was odd, right? So I put my resume in the mail, sent it off. And then a few weeks later, my boss calls me into his office and he throws my resume down on the <gasps> desk and he says, 
He goes, where do you think I got this? <laughs> and I, I had no idea. I said, I, 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 don't, I don't know. <laughs> like, I didn't give it to you. He goes, yeah, I got it in the mail. I go, and so my mind's racing. Remember, a couple of weeks have passed, right? And he's going, and this is all he said about it. He said, he goes, I would highly recommend never sending a resume to a P.O. box. Uh, and that was it. He goes, and then he says, you can go. What? <laughs> so I didn't know if I was out of a job or not, but that, that, that's, and so what, but what happened is they, he realized he, he had pushed me about as far as I could be pushed that and now I was looking for other jobs. So he, he backed off my problem solving responsibilities. So that's how I got out of that. But I mean, what the road I was on was fairly unsustainable. I was just, I, I was spent every day uh, solving problems. So, but <laughs> I got a little bit of wisdom there too. Wow. So just to kind of recap this point, is there a way that, kind of a realistic, sustainable way that we can maybe rely on the people around us, rely on ourselves, rely on some kind of resource where we can actualize this point of of wanting to, to grow? Or is it, or is like you said, this point only change only possible um when when something occurs well here's another one is i'm a a cpa and that the cpa requires all their members to participate in continuing education so i'm required to get so many educational hours a year so that's another example of change being imposed on me right so they're forcing me to go get education It's, it's a requirement so they don't even trust that I'm going to, I'm not going to move to a place of pleasure and away from a place of discomfort. So I, I really think it's unfortunate, but I think there's a, there's a small subset of people who, who can see that when they're in a place of, of comfort that they're not growing. But I think the average person, they, they need somebody, a coach or somebody to, to hold them accountable, to keep them in a place of discomfort where they're growing so I, I don't know if there's a way i i haven't figured a way around it i i go i go to the gym on a regular basis so i guess that's me forcing myself in away from pleasure in, in a in, in into a place of pain but you know what i'm doing it because members of my family are, are of the similar age are having health issues and it's scaring me so there might be a hereditary thing there, but I'm doing all I can to fight that off. So again, it's it's an unfortunate event. Maybe it hasn't happened to me, but it's happened to somebody close to me that's forcing me to go do this. So I personally don't know a way around this to, to, not, to just naturally seek out discomfort for growth. My final question before we do move on to point number three just relates back to the pain that you faced or the displeasure, I guess, when you were being pushed by your by your previous employer, and how? When did you obviously hit kind of a, a I don't call it a breaking point, but a kind of a point of unsustainability for our listeners who who maybe are, are kind of like nodding their heads, like yeah, okay, maybe this challenge I'm facing at work, maybe this this displeasure I'm feeling, it's just my employer pushing me to be be the best version of myself to grow um, this way. But at what point? did the bell go off in your head that okay you know what this is just this is too much displeasure for for me this is unsustainable I'm not happy it was just that it was just it was just uh the cumulative effect of of just you know I I didn't have the bandwidth anymore to deal with anything everyone's got a different breaking point and I was reaching mine I don't know if there's a formula you'll just know when you're there no that's that's very very fair um, so, so your third point you have here for how unfortunate events um, cause change in our lives is, is, is have a plan. So everyone knows if, uh, I'm a big fan of World War I history and there's a German general and he had a, a theory and it, it, it's a pretty solid one that no battle plan ever survives first contact with the enemy. And I, I live by this one. So my first one is you know, I said, life's not a straight line, don't force it. But you need to have a plan. You need to have some sort of destination in life, some sort of goal. So have a plan, but know that first contact with the enemy, which which is life, right? The first contact that you have to be willing to to 
alter your plan or or delay your plan or flex your plan but have a ha, not having a plan is just a, just a recipe for disaster so if you think if, if you start out you you get an education you get a job in, in your field and then you you know you you it's like an entry-level job and you want to progress and you 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 don't want to become ceo maybe but you you want to become uh, uh get to a level where you're making a decent living and and the job's interesting enough. You know, that's kind of plan. You, you need to have a plan, but don't don't get discouraged when your first contact with the enemy, which is life, takes you off your plan. Don't abandon your plan, but just roll with it. I, the first one I said, I, I just needed, I needed to get in my list here that, that you have to have a plan. So number one is life's not a straight line. So that doesn't mean abandon your plan and abandon all your aspirations when when unfortunate events arise. But having a plan and getting back on track is important. I think this point, how to have a plan, and 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 what you just mentioned speaks volumes to the concept of a failure. And 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 while an unfortunate event may feel like like a failure, whether it's job loss, whether it's whatever it may be, I I love that have a plan is on this list because. It kind of it kind of keeps your your momentum going. It, it keeps your resilience high because, regardless of, of what unfortunate event was thrown your way, you feel like you can recover because again you have that strong plan rooted firmly in your values, beliefs, and, and everything that that will keep you just just driving forward. Well, and if you think of just say you had no plan, then maybe there is never an unfortunate event in your life, right? If if you had no goals or aspirations. If if you had the mindset of a golden retriever, <laughs> is it, an unfortunate event is is generally easily solved, right? Yeah. I lost my I lost my ball. <laughs> <laughs> that, that that's an unfortunate event for a golden retriever, right? So, not having a plan, I guess if you never have an unfortunate event show up in your life, that could be a sign that you you maybe you didn't have enough goals or aspirations in your life to be derailed, right? So that, I'm saying you maybe you just, you're, you're blessed and, and, and everything went well for you, but I, I don't like the chances of that lasting for, for a lifetime. But again, to your point there, it definitely represents the idea of perspective as well. So you, we kind of did touch on point number four earlier in the episode, but, but point number four you have listed here is that we learn very little from our successes in life, but our failures are provide great wisdom yeah so this one you, you never know if you just got lucky right so a lot of times people land a great job right at a school right and they they just think they know how to get a job right and then not until you know did that company goes out of business and they have to actually find a real job for the first time do they know how hard it is to find a job so you you don't you never know if you just got lucky when things work out for you, but when things go wrong, for me that is the best learning opportunity because now I know exactly what not to do. Right? If something went wrong, uh, we did episode on buying used cars last week, and if if I bought a real lemon, a real bad car, I, I'm gonna look at such a granular level to see what went wrong. And try to figure out exactly what went wrong. You'll never know for sure exactly what went wrong. But try to pick out all the pieces that you could have done differently. And that is true wisdom. I mean, you learn so much from that, not knowing not to do that again. Whereas if you bought a used car and it lasted for 12 years, and it was the first used car you ever bought, well, I'd be pretty terrified when I'm going to buy my next used car because I know... I just got lucky. I learned nothing from my first used buying car opportunity. I learned absolutely nothing because I bought a used car and the thing ran for 12 years, problem free. What did I learn? I, I learned that I, I, I picked the luckiest car on the planet. So, so when an unfortunate event shows up, it is so important to say, what can I learn from this? What, what learning opportunity is here for me to embrace? Because if you don't, if you don't, choose to learn from it you may in fact be victim to that exact same unfortunate event at some point in the future so everyone again i'm a big fan of history 
one of the things of studying history is to not repeat horrible historical events. That That's why it's so important to have students of history in our society to, to keep us aware of, of most history that you read about is about bad things, not good things. And, and understanding what went wrong and, and how we've moved forward as a society. So I know when, when I, I hate to use words failure, but when I don't succeed at something, I don't, I don't get discouraged. I, I think, okay, now I know what not to do. That's that's a phenomenal. I, I love that when when you face adversity, when you face something that that you that you, that you feel not let you down, but it, it, something kind of unfortunate that you you ask yourself, what can you learn from? And I'm sure that wasn't something you mastered overnight. I'm sure that took time. And but how how impa- how how much has that kind of change your mindset i'm sure you overcome kind of situations a lot faster because of that mindset at work i i have this theory that when when something goes wrong i say to myself i'm never going to be beat by this exact problem again oh i love that and this this thing will not defeat me this exact problem will i should i I will be very ashamed if it does you know I, i will hang my head in in shame if i get beat by the same thing again so the first time something happens, it, it's it's an accident. It's a mistake. If it happens again, if it, the same thing, if you're if you are a victim to the same mistake twice for the same reason, shame on you. I mean, you should be embarrassed if you make the same mistake where you work twice for the same reason. I have a question for you then. So, with such an open-minded attitude towards uh, making mistakes or or things just not kind of going to plan, has that altered your? And, and I'm not saying you have ever been or were a perfectionist, but has that kind of openness to to learning opportunities altered your any kind of level of perfectionism that might have been deep rooted inside of you before? Well, I don't I don't think I've ever been a perfectionist, but you raise a good point. If you're a person who is a perfectionist, this this is more challenging, right? It, 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 learning from mistakes becomes hard. You t- perfectionists tend to be harder on themselves. So if, if anything, they should those people should want to learn more from their failures or their mistakes. But uh, my experience has been a lot of those people don't embrace it as much as they should. Exactly, which is, I think, why at this point, particularly, is is, is so valuable for individuals maybe with a more perfectionist mindset because they know that even if if things don't go to plan or things do not um, succeed in their eyes, that there's always kind of a a learning opportunity from it. So either way, nothing has really uh, failed per se. Like if I got, if I just say I bought a, a a particular brand of used car and it was just a horrible, unreliable car, it let, it left me stranded so many times. If I bought the exact same car again and it left me stranded, I, I, I should be embarrassed of, of that decision making I, I used to come up with what car should I buy. Yes and no to that specific example. I mean like you said, there are bad lemons in, in, in the batch. So if, if, if you, if you, if you buy well, the it, definition of insanity is repeating, doing the same actions, hoping for a different outcome. And, and that to me is, is not learning from your failures. So you, you, to kind of zero in on the car example, if you, if you, if you had a bad experience with say Honda, you would never buy Honda again. Or that specific model, that specific year, with that with similar kilometers on it. Well, again, if you peel if you peel it down and you look at it at a granular enough level, maybe you get past the fact that it was a Honda, but maybe it was a car that was too old or it had too many kilometers. Like you got to change something, right? You can't you can't go and buy the the uh, an extremely similar vehicle hoping for a different outcome. Okay, that yes, I that makes complete sense from that perspective. So the final point you have listed is one we, we kind of discussed again at the beginning of the episode. Um, so, so your fifth and final point of how 
certain events can 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 just change up inside of us is that formal formal education is manufactured adversity. So if you think of the exam time in high school or in university or college, what happens is all the exams are you know in the same week right of of the school year. They take all the exams and they happen all at the exact same time. If you tried to do that in a place of business, you know, try to run a business that way where nothing happens, you know, it's everything's sort of low key. All of a sudden there's this one week out of the whole year that we're going to just go gangbusters and then we're going to stay up all night studying and we're going to do all we can. If it is the, uh, from 10,000 feet, it looks like insanity and it, it's by design. So not only is formal education is putting you in discomfort, it's trying to help you grow as a person that the best example of that is is the exam schedule, right? Everything is due all at once. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, you know, there's enough brilliant people running educational institutions that they could stagger this thing or spread it out so it made more sense strategically, right? Like we can make this far more comfortable for all you students, you know, with, without, with very little effort, very little planning. The school system could make this super comfortable, but they don't. They want to make it uncomfortable. They want the cream to rise to the top. They want to see who can solve this nut the best. And so that's the best example. So school is manufactured diversity. The only comfort you can take is there's 30 other people or from university, 100 other people trying to solve the exact same problem you are. That's the only difference it is from, from the life they're trying to prepare you for. If our society creates unfortunate events for students to deal with so we create so so in life you can handle real unfortunate events if if it's if we build it into our school system then and embrace it then we should embrace it in life as well so do you believe i mean i guess this is a two-part question do you believe then that having society kind of demand uh, education as a prerequisite for jobs is something that's beneficial for us because we wouldn't maybe enroll ourselves in post-secondary if we heard the kind of the quote-unquote horror stories of of siblings or friends who had kind of endured the the stresses of university and 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 two do you think we i mean i i guess i'm a few years removed too but do you think we forget sometimes that that we the adversity that we have faced we kind of set it in a box because we kind of just want to forget about it again given how stressful your experience was in in, in post-secondary when you graduate from college or university you you what you leave with is a bunch of hard knowledge and a bunch of soft knowledge and so the hard knowledge is just say you studied engineering well you you're going to leave your university experience with a head full of, of real hard technical knowledge about engineering, you're also leaving there with, a, with more sc- soft skills than you know. You're leaving there with the ability to, to uh, communicate with peers and teachers, people above you. You're, you're leaving with the ability to manage multiple things at once in, in, in all these unfortunate events that are imposed on you. But, so when you get the first job, you are applying very little of that hard knowledge. So as an engineer, your, your first job, on the, your entry-level job, you're not designing buildings and, and, and being entrusted with those things. So your hard knowledge is barely being tapped into on your first job. What they're hiring you for is they know you went to university. They know that unfortunate events were imposed on you. And because you graduated, you succeeded. You were able to overcome those unfortunate events and therefore, we're going to offer you a job because we think you can do the same thing for us. And maybe five or ten years from now, you can even use a little bit of that hard knowledge you got in engineering. So that, that to me, says our education system tries to prepare us to deal with unfortunate events in life. And, and for that reason, we should embrace it. But I think as we get older, we, we want to get comfortable. We, we move away from, from what was educated into us and, and we just seek out comfort. So I, I, I want to circle back to that, that, that point then that we, we do, we kind of undergo this, this high level of, of ad- manufactured adversity, manufactured of stress. We, we kind of just 
we we embrace it because we we maybe have to but in, in saying that and, and kind of just speaking these other points I mean you mentioned your the the CPA that that um that requires you to complete courses and you mentioned the gym that you kind of push yourself to to go to because it, it results in and maybe a healthier you but is there other ways I mean is there other ways that we can push ourselves to be better you know I know for me personally like like I said at the beginning of this episode uh, unfortunately it's unfortunate events that are going to move us into a place of growth I really don't know some people may tell you they're driven right they're they, they're, they're this driven personality I think they're the exception and I don't think it's sustainable. They're, they're not going to be driven 365 days a year. They're going to have some days where they need comfort and, and, and a place of pleasure, right? They're not, they're, there's people, but most people are seeking comfort and familiarness. They, 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 it's going to take unfortunate events to move the needle for most people. And when we say unfortunate, we can also extend that, like you provided the example of your twins, to unexpected as well. Yeah, I mean... Uh, unanticipated, unexpected, unfortunate. They're all things you, you know, you weren't counting on or things that are going to move you out of your comfort zone. And I think the beautiful, I'll, I'll, I'll say beautiful part about, you know, no, he, he, here's one other example. So I know a lot of people that want to learn a second language. Yes. This is a, a lot of, this is good. A, a lot of older people want to learn a second language. And the few people I know that actually learned a second language and are fluent in it, it's because they live in a culture where that language is spoken. And that is being, I'm going to call it, it's unfortunate. If you don't learn this, you only can communicate probably 50% of the time or with 50% of the people. So you're on the outside looking in. So it's like if you don't learn the second language, life will be an un, unfortunate event. You'll, you'll miss out on a ton. So there's another example, that second language. Nobody's signing up for that like just and just learning it. And even if they do, they, they don't keep up on it because they don't get a chance to practice it. There's that saying that necessity becomes a mother of invention. Yeah, actually, that is a great expression. And I love that one. It, it Necessity often, it becomes a necessity because of an un, unfortunate or unanticipated event. But but I I that's a such a stellar example because we can extend that I know that individuals will it, it will travel or, or live in um, different different areas of the world where different languages are spoken and and they'll put themselves voluntarily into that situation to in order to develop um though that that second language skill so and again that roots back to like we mentioned earlier putting putting yourself in in a position that's outside of your comfort zone that's outside of of a space where you feel comfortable well you know there's a theory and another military thing is quite often you burn the boats right so when you're going to invade a, a foreign land you show up on the shores with your boats and then you light your boats on fire and the reason you do that is surrender is not an option you can't retreat and so by moving to another country to learn another language you oft, obviously you're putting yourself in a position where, where failure is just not an option. Definitely. So Trevor, that brings us to the end of kind of your five points that you've put together that reflect that unfortunate events, unexpected, unanticipated events are sometimes the the only, and I don't, it's strong, but it's the only way to achieve real lasting change in our lives. Um, before we end the show, do you have any final thoughts or takeaways to, to end this episode on? Yeah, I read this quote and I, there was nobody you could give credit to uh, where I read it, but it's, it said, life is a journey, not a destination. It is enhanced not by the things you bring with you, but rather by the people you meet along the way. And on that note, that brings us to the end of today's episode on uh, unfortunate or not so unfortunate events inspired entirely by an incredibly well-written and, and so insightful email from one of our listeners. Thank you to this listener for, for serving as such and a wealth of inspiration. If you want to find uh, this listener's three takeaways, which we mentioned earlier in the episode, we'll have that in our show notes along with um, Trevor's kind of areas that that un, that unfortunate events can lead to change thank you so much for being with us today on this episode and we can't wait to have you back with us next week with a brand new episode until then keep it simple